Hi, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories. With your host, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing antique tractors and steam engines built before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories about the hunt, tales of restoring, and memories of enjoying. Steel Wheel Stories is proudly sponsored by Engineers and Engines Magazine. A printed, full-color, bi-monthly magazine for all the steam, gas, tractor, railroad, locomotive, and farm machinery enthusiasts. Call or email Brenda Stamp for your subscription today. Email address brenda at engineersandengines.com or phone number 410-673-2414. Mention Steel Wheel Stories when purchasing and get your first magazine free. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Steel Wheel Stories. Uh, with me as usual is buddy Jake Summerville. Jake, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Sitting uh, tight in your recording your studio of your pickup right now. Oh yeah, life happens. Uh, got this nice 2016 recording studio that's sitting on four brand new rubber tires. Out here in my garage tonight because we've got some... Uh, flooring work going on in our house and there's some banging going on uh guy hitting the floor with the, with the hammer so i didn't think you guys wanted to listen to that so i jumped out <laughs> into my truck to record this tonight <laughs> yeah well for our listeners we're recording this after we just recorded uh our last episode here and uh yeah jake i don't know if you heard or not but porter came walking down the basement stairs as we were recording and was hey dad i was like how oh, did yeah. you it- how'd you even get down here <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> yeah i was laughing <laughs> i text Haley and i was like porter's down here and she's like what i said yeah i don't know what. i mean she comes down in the basement with me but she sure as heck don't open the door and come down here on her own ever you know so yeah that was a uh, that was kind of part of the episode that you'll hear that as you're listening yeah she just wanted to be on the podcast we'll have to get her on here one of these days one of these days her vocabulary is growing every day and just like cams i'm sure yeah yeah it is so, yeah, recording our little intro here, kind of after recording uh, with a guest is a little different for us, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think everyone will really enjoy that conversation we just had with, uh, with Gary. I think it'll be really well accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, fill it in. Yeah. We had Gary Tetz on, uh, and, uh, you know, he's, well, it's like he said, and he's, he'll hear in the podcast, he's basically only been in this hobby for about eight years of the steam engine stuff. And, um, kind of got a start into it by restoring a antique rush crusher and basically all wooden screening plant and got started in the steam by somebody telling him that you know originally that uh, operation was ran by a huber steamroller so that's kind of when he went out and you know set out to find a steam engine and and all that kind of stuff and man you just talk about a great asset to the hobby since then oh yeah couldn't couldn't hardly ask for a a better character in, in a no. guy here. He's just a, just a really awesome guy and, and built this collection up without really having any ancestral steam in his lineage or anything. And, you know, he just kind of dove right in and, and it's really interesting to me that he's pretty diverse in, in what he's got now. I mean, he's got traction engines, he's got portables, he's got stationary engines, he's got popcorn maker and all stuff you're going to hear about uh, on this episode tonight. Mm-hmm. just a really really well-rounded guy and super super enjoyable to, to talk to absolutely yep so 
I hope everybody enjoys and, and we sure as heck had a lot of fun talking with Gary and, and, uh, as you'll hear there, I hope we see him this summer and, uh, meet up at a few shows or whatever. And because he's just a all around great guy and, and great stories. That's all there is to it. Yep. That's fact. Yep. Hope you guys enjoy this. Yep. So thanks for listening and, uh, keep up listening. Sorry. It's, it's been a little bit since we've, uh, put out an episode here again and, uh, just a busy time of fall and, and everything else as usual. And hopefully that'll stop being an excuse here sometime, but, uh, uh, here's another episode for you and, and enjoy. All right, guys. Uh, tonight we have, uh, Gary Tetz with us and, uh, we looking very forward to hearing his stories and how he got into this hobby and, uh, just anything he has to, to tell us. Uh, Gary, why don't you start out, introduce yourself, where you're from and go from there. Okay. Uh, I'm Gary Tetz. Um, I'm from Middletown, New York. I was born and raised here. Uh, I only live about 10 miles from where I was uh, raised. And um, the the background is uh, my father was a dairy farmer and the barn burnt down in 1955 and killed all the cows and he had enough with dairy farming. So he went into the sand and gravel business. He started delivering sand and gravel. Um, my whole family uh, went to college. My mother's goal was always to educate her kids. And my oldest brother went to uh, Clarkson, became a, a civil engineer. And when he got home from college, he wanted to go in the concrete business. So we started in the concrete business in 1965. Um, my brother Joe, uh, who was in the business at that time, he went to uh, um, Williamsport College of Technology and became a diesel mechanic. He came home, worked in the business. Both my sisters went to college. And uh, I graduated in 1970 and went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University and became a pilot and got my degree in, in uh, aeroscience. Um, and in 1975, when I graduated, the Vietnam War had just gotten over. And, of course, they didn't need pilots because they had a lot of Air Force and Marine pilots and Navy pilots. So my father wanted to know if I'd come home and work in the business for a while. And I said yes. And been here ever since we just sold our business in in june but uh you know we went from a from a one truck operation to uh we had 65 uh trucks on the road and and, uh four trailers five trailers and then we had four gravel banks and a couple stone quarries so we had a lot of uh mobile equipment and along the way, um, I started collecting caterpillar equipment, mm-hmm. and I started in the early uh, in the early nineties. And while we were in the in the stone quarry business, uh, a customer of ours had gotten a hold of the uh, our salesman, and he bought a piece of property that had an old stone crusher and a screener on it so we went and looked at it he told the the salesman that it looked nice in front of our stone quarry 
But um, when I went and looked at it, I said, now that would have to get restored and, and, and back to original. So in 92, we started restoring a buddy of mine and I, and we worked on it two nights a week from 1992 until uh, 2002. Oh, boy. And a long, yeah, yeah, we we actually, the, the screener part of it was wooden. Well, that's what I was getting and, ready to ask. What kind of era of a machine are we talking about here? Well, this guy uh, that I got it from uh, had bought this place. And while he was going through the house, he found a, a diary. And it was of a young girl. And she wrote in the diary that that crusher was moved from the Monticello High School to the field that it was in in June of 1922. So we know it was very old. Yeah, prior to that Mm. then. Prior to that. And along the way, I'll I'll tell another part of the story, which makes it really interesting. Um, So I went up and, like I said, got it. In 92, we started. We actually... um, had a guy come down and look at it that knew wood because we knew nothing about wood and it was made out of hemlock and our stone quarry uh, up in Monticello where this came from had a lot of uh, hemlock on it so we actually cut it we brought a band mill in and of course it was all you know odd sized lumber well mm-hmm. not odd size a 4 by 4 was really a 4 by 4 sure. and a Sure. Two by four yeah. was really a two by four. Yeah. So we had all the lumber cut, and we actually uh, milled it, tongue and grooved it, and and all that ourselves, right in the shop. And we had never worked with wood before, so it was a it was a steep learning curve. Yeah. Wow. I guess. Holy cow. A very steep learning curve. So along the way, um. The salesman who was from that area that found it for me to actually talk to the customer, he knew the highway superintendent who ran it in the 30s. And he came down and uh, he looked at it and he knew the operational part. There was a couple parts that we couldn't figure out where they went. We never did figure out where they went. But anyway, what got me in the scheme was he said that in the 30s, they were powering that crusher up in the field where, where I retrieved it from with a Huber steamroller. Mm-hmm. So I said, hmm, to, to make the unit complete, I said, I will, I'm going to start looking for a steamroller. Mm-hmm. So a Huber steamroller. So in looking for it and, and doing some reading on it, I realized how dangerous a, a, a steam boiler could be because of the pressures. So that's when I uh, I took a, a steam school. I went out to uh, Wisconsin, and I took that steam school first, and I actually took four of them. Uh, I went to that one. Then I went to Somerset, and then I went out to uh, Forest City to Heritage Park, and then I went to the one in Ohio so I could take the, the test. I can't, I think it was Hoining Valley. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I, and uh, that's where I took the licensing test. And, um, 
and getting hooked up with uh, with Gil and Robin down in in uh, Somerset was a was an interesting thing, and that's that's when I when I started. It was uh, eight years ago. Eight years ago. Eight that's... years ago. I was sitting here, I was talking to Jake there the other day, and I was I was trying to remember the first time that I met you, and it was when uh, they were at Wade Smith's party in Iowa, and I feel like that was, was that five or six years ago now or something? Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah at, yeah, least. at least. least. Yeah. I remember yep. you had yep. uh, gotten invited out there because, what was the deal? You had bought a Huber that was kind of close to Wade, and he went and picked it up for right. you or something. And Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was... That was an interesting story. Um, I bought that Huber on on an auction out there, and it wasn't, I don't know, not even a week later, an advertisement came up for a Huber, um, and it had the picture of the one I had just bought. So I figured that somebody had stolen the tractor after I had bought it and then was trying to resell it. No. So huh. I posted something online about it and Wade answered the answered my post mm-hmm. and said that he only lived, you know, six, seven miles from there and he would go check on it. So mm-hmm. that's how I got I got tangled up with with uh with Wade. Mm-hmm. So when I went out to to pick it up, because uh, I actually drove out there to to pick it up, um, I I met him and and uh, picked it up, and then that winter I went to his uh, his get together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what that's what I remember. I remember meeting you for the first time, and uh, I don't know. I I I think I've kind of gone a little nuts about this before talking on here about you know uh, construction equipment stuff. I kind of get pretty excited about it because a lot of people just don't like you restoring that rock crusher with a wooden screen unit and all that kind of stuff. Like people just don't do that anymore, you know? So seeing somebody nope. that is doing it and is interested in the rock crusher stuff like you, like that was really cool to me to hear about and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a bunch of them. I, I haven't counted them up, but I, I got, I got to have, I don't know, 30 of them. Uh, thirty-five of them, maybe. Yeah, I have them all over the countryside. <laughs> I, uh, Gary, I just for your information, I still haven't gone to get mine yet. It's still in Canada. Oh, it's still in Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got talked one about of those. that one several times now. Yeah, I think yep. Jake's trying to part the thing off on me at this point now because we've got that case road roller, and he's like, "Well, I got a case rock crusher, you know." And yeah, yeah, yep. I'm sitting here thinking yep. like I had a I had a pretty big, nice rock crusher one time, but I sold it to Gary because I bought a different tractor and I was trying to raise some friends, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I still I still got that one. Was that Huber that you bought out there in Iowa? Was that your first steam engine that you had bought then, or you'd bought any before that, or? No, I'd bought some before that. Uh, actually, my first uh, steam engine was a portable. It was that nine-horse uh, case I bought on off of uh, J.D. Miller's auction um, down in in uh, out in Ohio. Uh-huh. He was in Sugar Sugar Creek, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know him, J.D. Miller? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We we knew J.D. Yeah. quite well. We. We bought, I think, uh, 
two 80 horse case um, gear pump casting kits off of him. And I've been down to visit him several times and gone back and forth yeah. with him when he had all the, the Ohio standard books, trying to get some uh, engine numbers for stuff that were stamped with. The Ohio right. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I never, yeah, well, I never I, met him personally myself or talked to him or anything like that, but just, uh, all the different stuff I've heard from everybody and heard about him and, and well, and bought a few things off of one of his, uh, later auctions that he had here. I guess that was, was that last year or something when he sold some whistles and different yeah. stuff, bought some stuff off yes. there, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, that was actually my first, my first engine. And then, uh, I really, cause of, of the way New York has their, their steam engine laws set up is, you know, archaic you got to have an asme boiler or a boiler that had been inspected in new york and you have the paperwork for which is very tough to find actually i found two of them lately that way that i'm going to be able to run in in new york even though it's not an asme boiler so that's when i started looking for an asme boiler and gill happened to have a, a eight and a half by 10 down there that had an ASME boiler. So I bought that and then I bought a seven and a half by nine Frick out uh, from Scott Thomas out in Indiana. And then after that, I, I can't keep track of what I bought. I got, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of snowballed. It seems like, yeah, the, it, 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 it just became a blur after that. <laughs> I, you kind of get in that. I, Jake and I have mentioned before that, like, the first one's the hard one to buy. After that, it's just easy. After that point, once you figure out yes. what it takes and this and that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then I, I know that uh, probably six years ago, I went to seven years ago. Now, six years ago, it was a couple years after that, there was an auction down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it had a, a 50 case on it. And um, that had an ASME boiler on it. And I went down there and I was bidding on it, but the boiler was, it was weak. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it was, it wasn't what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. So I'm bidding on it and I bid it up to like 22,000. And just so happened, I was standing next to the to the guy that owned it, which I didn't know that. But he said something to me about, you know, stop bidding. I said, well, I said, I'm, you know, it's not the greatest in boiler. He said, yeah, but the guys that you're bidding against is, are going to ship it overseas. And I I knew there was two guys while I, because I ultrasounded the, the boiler I knew, I knew after that, they were, all they were doing was measuring the width and the height, and take mm -hmm. the whistle off and the stack off while they were measuring it to get it in a container. Yeah. Huh. So I decided I didn't want that case to go overseas. So I ended up, uh, I ended up paying 30,000 for it and, and I kept it here in the, in the United States because I hate seeing those things go overseas sure yeah I yep. Agree. yep that was that was a good call probably a, a little bit of a steep price to pay for for that but that was uh good well, on your part kudos to you yeah for that. to be honest with you it was but 
I ended up sending, selling it to uh, Jonas Stutzman's brother-in-law. He was looking for a 50 case, and um, I ended up getting my money back out of it. I lost a little bit because I, I trucked it out there for him. Sure. But I was sure. going out there anyway. I had my I had my Huber was about, well, it had been done, but we had a couple issues, so I had to take it back out, so I threw the 50 in the in the Huber on the low boy and 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 took it back out so it wasn't you know I didn't I didn't lose a ton of money on it Work, works and I kept it sure. here and I kept it here that's the that's the thing I I I wanted I hadn't really heard about a ton of stuff uh seems like floating overseas here lately until that last auction there uh yeah. what was that last weekend I guess that they had down there was yeah, that last weekend or two weekends ago uh, two weekends ago, two weekends I guess. Ago. Yeah. yeah, they're in yeah. Indiana, and yeah. little Avery tractor went to Australia. Is that right, Jake? Yeah, yeah. Sixteen Avery had been completely restored. Beautiful, beautiful little tractor. Really nice running tractor. Yeah, sure thing. Huh. Going overseas. I didn't hear about that auction. Yeah, I was, I was kind of, I had, well, I was working out in my uh, barn and listened to it on my phone, and yeah, they announced it right over the thing. You know, going to Australia, and I was like, man, I just doesn't seem like you've really heard about stuff like that here lately for whatever reason. No, you know? no. It seems like no. definitely at a certain point in the, oh, I don't know, early 2000s, a lot of stuff seemed like it was going overseas with steam yeah. stuff anyways. Yep. Yeah, there was. I went out to an auction in, in Mabel, Minnesota when I first started, and, and I bought actually bought three crushers on that auction, and they, this guy had some steam engines and a couple of them went overseas. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I like to keep them here. I uh, like to keep them well, here. Well, you know, they they can always come back, but man, it's just really rare that they do come back. Yeah, well, I guess that. Yep. There's a what is there? Uh, 110 that's in Wisconsin that runs around at I guess Baraboo and kind of the shows right there. That was in Holland, or like it, it was here in the states, and it was shipped to to Holland and spent mm-hmm. several years in Holland, and then. Uh, 20 years ago or so, it was finally shipped back over here. Huh. Yeah, that is unusual. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often coming back the other way. Yep. No. So, so then I, I I really like my little portables. I got I got a bunch of small portables. I, I just enjoy them. They're easy to move. And and they're that, for me, they're, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, what do you see in a portable?" Uh, portable, but I I enjoy them. Sure, I enjoy them. I got uh, and I like I like collecting the um, the unusual ones, the you know unique. the not so well known ones. Yep, the unique ones. Seems like a few of them you bought up are kind of New York built ones too. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I, well, it's a it's a funny thing. I I bought an Oneida up upstate in, in Windsor there's a guy by the name of Steve Davis who has really researched the New York engines and and um, so I go to him all the time when when I run across one and I, I had said to him at one point man I said I'd really like to find and buy all the New York engines he said you can't do it I said well why can't I he said, because I've, I've researched it, and he said, I've found 52 different manufacturers of steam engines just in New York. Holy And God. I said, well, wow. I guess I, I will never that. do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how many do you think you have now? 
of New York I only, ones. I got I only got uh four different let's see, I got um well I got three SW Woods, I got a Wood Tabor and Morse, I got an Oneida, I got a Westinghouse. Uh I guess I didn't know Westinghouse was it. built in New York myself. Yes, Schenectady. Mm-hmm. They were built up in up by Albany. Hmm. Um yeah, so the Wood Tabor and Morse on Wood Tabor, Morse, Oneida, Westinghouse, S.W. Wood. Yeah, four different manufacturers. I, I bid against the guy up upstate New York. There's a, a engine called the Robert George. That was made in New York. That was on that uh, Wolf auction out in Indiana. Well, there was actually one on Steve Davis's off auction where I bought the uh, the uh, Oneida and. Um, and then there was one out on that one. I bought an SW Wood on that auction. I tried buying that one. But this guy, this guy, when he decides to buy an engine, I don't care what you bid it up to, he's going to buy the engine. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's just, I, I've been told I, I ruined the hobby by paying too much for my portables. But this guy double ruins the hobby then. <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah portable yeah. seem to be a hard thing to price you know people ask me from time to time and i think the last time somebody asked me i was, I was finally like i don't know man ask gary because i i don't even it's too much to yeah, keep track well, I of think for me you called me yeah you you or you you messaged me Something, on that one yeah. there yeah yeah they're hard to tell they're hard it, to hard to tell what it's just not the what, seems like we're more into the traction engine stuff you know and it yep. just doesn't seem yep. i just don't follow it as much you know or, or whatever and uh seems like some of the times when i've seen it pop up on facebook of you buying a different portable engine somewhere or something like that i was like man i don't even i don't even know about that auction because it just wasn't what i was looking for or, or keeping yep. an eye on you know yeah 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 exactly exactly the 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 first one i bought and the wood tabor and morris i bought uh probably were 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 overpriced but but i wanted them so i i simple as and, that. yeah, yeah the, the taste idea. i didn't know the case i didn't i i hadn't been into the hobby and and when i went to the auction i talked to that jd miller he told me it was a good boiler and i didn't i didn't know enough about them to really judge and and uh you know i i paid a lot of money at that point, uh, there's been a few sold now for more than what I paid for that one. But, uh, you know, and, and the other thing is, is you don't know in these auctions who's who's just planted in the auction, you know, to yeah. bid it up. Sure. Yeah. The, the Wood Tabor and Morris was that way. Matter of fact, Jonas went out there with me because that was not far from him in Ohio. And it got to 11000 and it stopped. And the auctioneer just kept going on. He just wouldn't drop the hammer. Then all of a sudden, somebody else started bidding. So they yeah. they they run me up to you know up to nineteen thousand on the thing, and it should have been it should have been sold at eleven. And yeah, yeah. Jonas was was annoyed with that. He was really annoyed with that. But yeah, I had a, do? I had a really bad auction experience and I wasn't even bidding. I wasn't interested. I was at an auction one time and they were selling like a, oh, it wasn't an L case. It was a little before that. Anyways, I was just literally standing there and it was the same type of deal. Um, 
there was there was one guy in the crowd i'm pretty sure was the only guy bidding on it and it just kept going and going and going and all of a sudden i'm sitting there with my arm crossed away from the tractor and the guy keeps pointing at me and i'm kind of looking around i'm like is somebody next to me pointing <laughs> and i finally I, I i i and i knew this guy that was bidding on it he was kind of a friend of a friend type thing and i finally looked at the auctioneer kind of an aggravation i says do you think i'm bidding on this because i haven't made a, a move at all yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah you 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 and i said no sir i have not made a single inkling to make a bid on this thing you know and it kind of stumbled for a minute and they didn't know what to do and they finally looked at the other guy that was had been been on bidding on the thing okay you know sell to him for x amount of dollars and i said heck no you should start the auction over i don't know what you're yeah. talking about yeah. and they just kind of sold it quick for whatever price it was at the time and i was like yeah man that is yep. the hokiest thing Yep. I've ever seen, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it in heavy equipment. I and you sure. know, I went to oh, a, yeah. quite a few heavy equipment auctions, and and uh, I ain't gonna say who, but there's there's a couple auction ear companies out there that I wouldn't I wouldn't use them for loving their money. Sure, right. Yeah. So, uh, so I've I've had quite a you know quite a run. I I don't know. I think I got you know, 14 or 15 engines now, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and what happens now is guys call, say, hey, you know, this engine, you know that engine, you're interested in this or mm -hmm. you're interested yep. in that. I had, I bought a whole collection of stuff uh, that way. There's a small, uh, it's called Gas Up. It's a small show up upstate New York, about two hours from me. And, um, Somebody had passed away. Guy passed away. The daughter had called gas up, and I bring an engine up there every year. Um, and I don't know if you guys know Tommy Curtis from Syracuse. No, He's got a, a Case 50. Doesn't ring a bell right off hand. No. I don't know as if I know that name, yeah. Um, and he goes to Ken and Dagwell all the time. He's at, at a matter of fact, he was on the board of directors of of Cannon Dagwa. So him and I I bring an engine up there. That's the only two steam things that'll be there. But anyway, they they called there and said, Do you know anybody that knows anything about steam and can come look at this collection that my father had had accumulated and give us a value on it. And uh they called a, um, a buddy of mine, and he called me, and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take a run-up. And I actually ended up buying the buying the whole collection from him. There was whistles and train whistles and governors, and ended up, I, I got a small five-horsepower vertical boiler and, and engine, and it was a Messinger, M-E-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. And that was made down in, in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And that, that thing is the cutest little engine that you'd you'd run across, man. Hmm. Yep. It was it was a quite a quite a thing. I bought a couple army jeeps. He had they had all kinds of stuff and, and uh we we valued it and uh and I, I was fair with him and I told him that. I said, I will be as fair as it could. It took me about eight months to buy the collection because I didn't. I had uh, uh, eight train horns on it, and I didn't know what train horns were were worth. Sure. So I, mm -hmm. I didn't call Ben True, 
uh, from, I don't know if you know him from uh, Somerset. He goes to Somerset. Mm-hmm. He's got that EV yep. there yep. all the time, and he mm-hmm. hooked me up with a guy that, mm, you know, that's how the, that's what I love about this hobby is the, the people are just down to earth, run of the mill, everyday people. They're not, you know, high end, they're not low end, they're just down the middle. Mm-hmm. They're down the middle. I, I, I really enjoy them. You can call and you get an honest answer if you, you know, you call about something. It's an honest answer. It's not, you know, slanted one way or the other. So yeah. yep. I, I really enjoy that. I really pretty, enjoy that. Pretty easy to connect with people in this hobby, what it seems like anyways. Yep. Yep. And I've had all kinds of experiences with Steam. Oh, oh. it's very, very educating and, and, uh, you know, you got to really respect it, and, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So out of all of everything that you've kind of collected up there uh, between the portable and the traction engine stuff, like what's the what's kind of your go-to thing to go do, or what is your go-to engine to go fire up or have some fun with? Uh, my favorite is the Baker. Yeah. The 19 Baker. I, I, just, I just love the way that thing sounds. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's easy to transport. You guys know I'm I'm set up with that freight liner with a with a trailer. Actually, that trailer oh, yeah. was custom built to run that crusher and screener around because that screener was really high, mm-hmm. and I had to have a you know a special trailer made to transport that. And thank God I you know it's heavy enough that I can. I can throw that baker on, mm-hmm. and um, and I really enjoy that a- engine. And I enjoy the advance. I got a, an eighteen, you know, advance Rumley, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy that engine too. But my my favorite is the baker. Yeah, my favorite is the baker. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, I sh- sure runs nice too. That that yeah. helps. That ha- that helps too when they run nice. There <laughs> makes it more yeah. fun to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may it makes an inexperienced guy like me look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty it's pretty well traveled now. I mean, I've you've had that thing all over the place. It's been in yeah. Ohio. It's been in uh, yeah. around Virginia. It's been Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's been all over the place. Yeah, it's been all over. I I enjoy that thing. I if if there's one I'm going to hook up and take anywhere, it's it's that one. Yeah, they're, I'll, have to yep. keep, I'll have to keep that in mind when Mason features Baker here in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yep. I, I, uh, you know, I enjoy it. I, I, we got the shop. As a matter of fact, I got well. Right now, I got two guys working for me, uh, one part time and one full time, and um, we work. I don't know if you guys know it, but I bought that. Uh, that little six horsepower from Jonas, the, uh-huh. the advanced six. And we're, I'm doing some repairs on that. The deck, the back deck was rotted off and had some holes rotted in it. So we're working on that. And the smoke box door was, the frame was broke. So I had that fixed and no, I work on them, work on them every day. I'm, I'm getting my Jonas is getting my, Oneida done. That had a bad uh, 
a bad boiler when I when I uh, bought it, but I don't know if you guys knew that it fell off the trailer on the way home from Canandaigua. Oh, really? Oh, wow. No, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say I've 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 had from soup to nuts. What what happened was they featured the New York engines up the portables up there, and I took uh, my SW wood and my uh, two of my uh, or two of my SW woods and the and the Oneida up there. And on the way home, I didn't. I had all four wheels, and and I learned a lesson the hard way. But I had all four wheels um, uh, chained down. But what happened was the uh, retainer on the ball where it steers mm-hmm. yeah. from hitting the bumps had broke, and when it broke. The the ball came out of the socket, and it the nose of it fell down on the trailer, and it went back and forth until it unhooked the the chains off oh, the. Man. It it was ten o'clock at night, and everything that could go wrong went wrong. Oh, there man. was a guy behind me, and he flashed his light, so I knew something was wrong. So I pulled off the road. And when I pulled off the road, it was going downhill. And, of course, on the shoulder, it leans to the right. And when it did that, the boiler rolled off the side of the trailer. Oh, and I was man. still going about 40 mile an hour. Wow. It was 10 o'clock at night. And when I tell you it destroyed that engine, it destroyed the engine. The flywheel was in 22 pieces. Oh, man. Holy mouth. It broke the rear axle off. It broke the smoke box door and frame. It broke the firebox door and frame. The stack, it had a little funnel on the side of it. It broke that. And I made up my mind that I was going to put that engine back together. So... I took it out, some of it out to Jonas, and we we brazed, my guy brazed a lot of the pieces. I went, everything, that thing was so destroyed that everything except for the engine part, and it didn't hurt the engine. It broke the crank disc. It broke the connecting rod. It bent the crankshaft. It, it broke and bent everything but the engine frame itself. So that was that, that was good. But everything else besides the engine fit in the firebox. Wow. We threw everything that night in the firebox. And a guy uh, with a tow truck with a flatbed, we winched it onto the flatbed. And that was on a Saturday night. And he brought it to my shop on a, on a, uh, on a Monday morning. And everything was in the firebox that's how bad that thing was so we we brazed it all back together and uh i took all the pieces to cattail and had them all recasted i found all the pieces of the flywheel but one of them about two inches long we we couldn't find one part of one spoke and um I, I got another great story. We got time, or oh I, yeah, you're oh, good. Yeah, 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 you're good. Oh no, listen to this. this. Is great. It broke the governor, and and I don't know how many 
pieces that broke the governor, but the, the fly balls were round on that thing. And I couldn't find one of them. And I took my granddaughters up there a couple times and we searched. We, we went up there at least a half a dozen times picking up all the small pieces we could pick up. So every once in a while, when I went out to Jonas's or came back, I would go what I call the north route for me was down 90 and down 86. And I would go that way so I could stop where the site was, where it, where it came off. I really wanted to find the one ball off that governor. Uh-huh. So one fall, a couple of years ago, I'm going up. And I said, well, I'm going to go. I got time. I'm going to go up that way. So I go up that way, and it was in the, the town of Hancock, New York, and it was a mile and a quarter from the actually from the village. So I'm I'm go, I went through the village, and I'm going up Route 17, the four lane highway, interstate, and I'm watching. It says construction, and I says, "Darn!" I said, "I ain't going to be able to stop because it's going to be one lane." So I go around this corner over this hill and I see it. Well, the construction started a couple thousand feet from where the thing actually fell off. So it was on a Sunday morning. I said, the heck with it. I'm going to pull off on the side of the road and just walk up there. So I pull off on the side of the road and it's on the opposite side of the road of where it fell off. I said, I'll cross right here, and then I'll walk up the side of of the interstate. Well, I get out of the truck, and I look under the guardrail. Now, I'm 2,000 feet from where it fell off because I measured it. I get out, and I'm walking across the the two lanes, and I see something red sitting under the guardrail. Well, what do you think it is? It's the ball from the flywheel. From the governor. It was a, a the oh, round chances. ball. That thing rolled, and it went Forever. through one winter. It went through <laughs> one winter, because this was in, in the fall, the, the following year, and I found that ball. And Jeez. if it wasn't for that construction, and that thing narrowed down to one lane, I would have never parked where I parked, and I probably would have never found that ball. Boy. You know, so we roll forever. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, we try to keep a pretty good charisma during this podcast, Gary, and I think you just <laughs> ruined it for us for the most part. <laughs> That's one of the worst stories oh, I've man. ever heard. Uh, yeah. It just about makes it my was. stomach turn. Terrible. Terrible. Oh, man. Dang. You the know, the but... good, good part is it's, it, is it's coming back together. He yeah. finally, Jonas finally started working on it. They, they, uh, they got the boiler about half done, so Boy. they finally, after three years, four years, uh, uh, finally got to start working on it. So you know, lots of people but, say it different ways. If if you're not doing something, something's not going to happen. But you know, so it, it's congrats to you for actually taking stuff out and hauling it around and taking it places and all that stuff. But sometimes yep. things are inevitable and something's yeah. going to happen. But things happen. To take the well, one thing I learned is how to hook them. Yeah, the, anything <laughs> with that ball on the front of it, you don't hook the front wheels because it's pulling on the on the whole setup. Uh, no, yeah, you that's hook, true. I hook around the I hook around the 
the spindle now up up on the sure. up on the boiler. And that mm-hmm. way you're pulling down on that socket, not it can't it can't bounce up and down that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And now and I hear- I probably over chain now because I always wrap the boiler with with something and and you know chain to the sides that way so sure. it can't bounce up and down. Man, you hear a lot of a lot of stories about guys pulling their engines like on a uh, on the pulling track or transfer sled or something or climbing a hill and that uh, that ball bracket pedestal comes out of that that ball socket there and front axles end up underneath the barrel or yeah front ends yep. end up on the ground and. Yep. Twenty twenty five Russell here, uh local to us that they, they were doing that and they they felt the engine start to come up and they were pulling the, the transfer the, the weight sled and it come up and they noticed that it was out of the socket and the front axle was still on the ground and he just kind of slowed the throttle down and you know the the reach rod was still pushing the still front pushing axle. The so front axle. so it, it was staying in line with it. So he just like kind of shut the throttle real slow and you wouldn't believe it, but it set that ball bracket pedestal back down inside that socket on that front axle. But man, yeah, not man. a not a good feeling. That's for everyone yep. out there. Go go check your collars on your ball bracket pedestals tonight. Yeah, yep, yep. That's true. No, yep. no. There's there's one thing about me. Everybody says, "Do you, do you run them?" I said, "One thing. I want mine to run. I'm going to run them, and I'm going to show them. They're yep. they're not going to just." sit in the shop they're mm-hmm. they're 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 out there to run and show that's what i like yeah and and they're they're unique so chris you and i are pretty well versed in steam stuff i learned something from gary at wasion two years ago maybe when did you have both the sw woods there or the, uh, i guess it was one, maybe one of the sw woods and yeah two else. years ago because uh, yeah ago? i had the the wood tabor morris i had well actually i had four of them there I had the the case, I had the two yeah. SW Wood and the uh, Wood Tabor Morse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, where I was going with this is uh, hydrostatic lubricators. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've never actually seen one function. And, and the ones I'm talking about are the ones that have the little uh, sight glasses on, on both sides of them. It's like a big, uh, big brass cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's – I'd never actually seen one – operate sure and I, all I i've ever been around I, is the ones that have like the little round uh window on the side of them that's the only ones i've ever really been around oh yeah now these are these are the big brass ones with yeah, the two yeah, little yeah. sight glasses on the thing and mm-hmm. i walk over and i'm visiting with gary and he's got his portables running over and i look back and he's like kind of messing with this big brass thing and i walk over behind it and i'm like looking and He's just kind of looks like he knows what he's doing, like he's done it his whole life. And I said, Gary, what in the world are these things? Well, how do these work? And he went through the whole whole spiel with me and showed me how they worked and everything. And man, those were those are really cool to watch them work because there's there's water in the the little sight glass and uh, the little oil bubble kind of comes up from the bottom until it gets big enough and then it lets go. And it was just just really cool. And that's that's actually. A few years before that, um, I learned from a guy there. I was at, actually at Wasion because I had one on the on the little SW Wood, and I had that. That was the only thing I had out there that year, and I could not make it work. And the guy next to me, I, I sat under his his canopy, and I don't know. We got talking. I said, "Yeah, I don't know the first thing about them." 
He said, well, I do. I said, really? He said, yep. So we went over, we took it apart, cleaned it up. He showed me how it worked, and, and that's how I learned how they work. And I, every one of those, uh, they're, they're Lunkenheimer seniors. I buy every one I can find. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, I bought one out on an auction, and Sam Ertle picked it up for me because it was close to him. Yeah, I, I got two or three of them laying there in the shop right now. What goes bad in those things, Gary? Nothing. Nothing. That's what I'm there's, there's no mechanical anything to no. it. Yeah. No. Other than freezing and breaking or something like that. But, right. Yeah. yeah, if you leave the water in them, that'll, that'll surely ruin them. It seems like I'm always no, they, after those little like uh, quarter pint ones or eighth pint ones or whatever and putting them on water pumps, you know, and it seems like every time I have to go through a whole pile of them to make sure that I find one that or, or take two or three of them so all of them have matching handles and stuff like that, you know, but yep, as long yep. as they're not frozen broke, they seem to work still pretty good. Yeah, they do. They do. I got, I've been experimenting with a couple because those, the, the senior Looks all right on a you know on the on the bigger engines, but like that that uh, that little yeah, they're, they're uh, messing yeah. that looks stupid on there because it's just out of proportion. So mm. I have been messing with the smaller ones, especially knowing now how they work, mm -hmm. so you can you can troubleshoot them a little better. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got it, one it, on was, that. it was always on, always a mystery to me seeing those like old black and white photos and you don't see a mechanical lubricator on a steam engine. Yeah. And you know, you just got this way well, yeah, a little quarter pint brass cup, like up in front of the steam line or uh, in front of the throttle throttle valve on the steam line. And Oh, it just kind of scratched my head. Like, man, how does this thing actually get oil? Yeah. And yep. yeah, it's really, really neat. I kind of grew up on one of my dad's little models. It's, Oh, it's like a 12 inch boiler tube, uh, model that he built with like a three inch bore, four inch stroke. And that's all he had on it for a lubricator. So I kind of got, you know, uh, feet wet with that right off the bat when I was a kid. And then that's, I, that's really about the only thing we have with one of them on it. I think, uh, everything else has mechanical lubricators, but on models, they work really well because trying to find a scale, uh, mechanical lubricator is kind of hard to come by. It seems like, you know, yeah, sure. Yep. Just I'd like to be the guy that figured out how to make that thing work. Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy that deserves all the credit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of the simplest little ingenious design really, but uh, yep, until absolutely. you put two and two together. Yep. Water's yeah. uh, heavier than oil. Yeah. Who'd have, yep. who'd have thought to exactly. get it all plumbed up like that to make it work? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's using its, it, all it is, the you know, the line that goes over the top is the one that condenses the water. That's that's mm -hmm. what it does. Yeah. The biggest mistake I was making with them that the guy taught me was, is <coughs> I wasn't, I put the oil in, but I didn't fill it with water. Finish putting the water. So you're waiting all that time for all that water to condense to get the oil to the top of the lubricator. And he said, sure, no, yeah. he said, what? You 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 know you fill it to a certain point with oil, and then you pour the rest of it with water, and then once it starts to condense when you run in the engine, then it'll start to work immediately. Instead of waiting on the steam and everything to condense, right? To fill it. Ah, to fill it I never right, heard right. that part of. Yeah, I, like I said on the. Is that something you do with the smaller, like the little bitty ones, or not? Yes, I, really. Yes, absolutely. I've, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, see, I never even that makes complete sense after hearing <laughs> it, but I never knew that. Yep. 
Yeah, I got one of those little ones on that Colt engine that I bought there uh, last year, and that 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 would be the same thing. It, it it's a it's real small one. It's only a a, a one line one. It's not two like the Lunkenheimer. And I don't don't ask me how that one gets the steam to where it gets it to. But uh, yeah, you got to fill that with with water. Yeah, I I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, learned something tonight. That's for sure. There we go. Yeah. Huh. All right, you just you just mentioned something, Gary, and I was going to ask you about it. That uh, that Colt Colt engine is something that a lot of people don't even know exists. Uh, yeah, I was I was one of those people that did not know that it existed. And he, Gary had it at Wasi on here. I don't know. Was it last year or two years ago? Last year. Yep. No, it, last was, year. Yeah last year man that is just that is the coolest little steam engine uh you you just got to tell you got to tell everyone like all about it kind of where you got it from and what its purpose was in life and uh man it's just a really cool engine yeah i got that in in uh um in well it was actually in uh near um it was down in holmes county and Leon Hirschberger uh, owned it, and uh, uh, he passed away, and or uh, the father passed away, and um, I was talking to him, and he 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 told me again that that engine I bid against uh, a museum. It was going to go to a museum in California, and and I went quite a bit higher than I really wanted to, but I I did just didn't want it to go set in a museum again i i want them to run i want to take them out and run them and um i talked to to leon and and i told him i would i would buy the thing and he um he really appreciated it so i went to the auction and i i ended up buying it i paid a lot of money for it but i just wasn't gonna let it go to a museum um yeah, yeah. there's one in a museum in uh rhode island that's a 10 horse and then there's another guy i think in either indiana or just into ohio that has one um and his is a 10 horse this is a two horse so it's it's really small what what yeah what amazes me again is the design colt i guess got um after the Civil War, obviously wasn't selling very very many guns, so they designed this, but they did not actually build it. It was built by a company called Baxter, and and they were out of New Jersey. They were actually built in New Jersey by a company named Baxter, but was sold under the Colt name because they were the ones that actually actually designed it. Um, I haven't gotten a full count of how many they sold, but the numbers that I did hear, and I don't know if they were true or not, was a quite a few engines. Um, it was in the thousands. Really? And yep, yep. And um, again, they they what's unique about it is the cylinder is down inside the boiler. It's yeah. a it's a ver vertical boiler, and the cylinder is down and the and the uh valving is down within the boiler and uh i don't know how you 
how I have obviously haven't taken it apart, but I'm assuming working on it is is something different. I don't know exactly how it's how it's designed, but um, it's it's amazing that they put the and all the big ones were from the from the two horse and ten was the biggest they made on up to the ten horse. The cylinder is within the boiler, hmm. and they're all vertical. They're all vertical. Um, and that that thing is that thing for for the 1860s is in excellent shape. The the boiler is perfect, and it it came out of Maine, uh, and it was in a, a woodworking shop where they made uh, gun stocks. And I do have a picture of it inside the uh, inside the factory, and then there's another picture that I have of it. Uh, when they were removing it out of the factory. I don't know the year of either one of those pictures, but there are pictures of that in the original place that it was it came out of. Was that any type of marketing for Colt? Was buying their steam engine to build gun parts or something or anything like that, or just a happenstance that it was no, in a... I, I, yeah, I've got some of the advertisements from that back then, and it, it mentioned nothing about the the gun part of it mm-hmm. you know it said that it was cult sure. manufacturing but but nothing to tie them together huh. that i have found anyway looking looking down a different avenue at the time for him have you seen yep. pictures of it chris no i like i'm sitting here like i gotta remember to google that when we get off here oh uh, no just just ask gary for some pictures man it is the coolest mm. little engine it is yeah it was the star of the show at wasi and everybody come up and looked at it it's really cool Hmm. Yep, and and the thing of it is, is you can't hear that thing run. When that thing is running, you cannot hear it run. That's how quiet that thing is. I I just can't get over how how quiet it is. And in, in the boiler, uh, the boiler Ohio gave give me ninety pounds on it. Mm-hmm. That's how good the boiler is in that thing. It it is. I'm For... setting it up in the shop right now. We're gonna we're putting a little line shift in, and I got a. a a drill press and a bandsaw and a uh, well, the planer is too big, but there's some smaller items that that uh, I got there that I'm going to hook up on a line shaft and I'm going to run that thing during the winter on on the line shaft. Hmm. That's, that yeah, sounds pretty dang cool. cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah that that engine and that Messinger engine that's that's pretty pretty unique i like that one that's a five horsepower that that that's real nice too we'll have to send you the pictures there of uh when jake and i and some other buddies were at the henry ford museum and the because you're talking about these smaller horsepower engines and you know henry ford had some kind of somewhat model engines that he had built for his kids at the time or whatever you know kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that you're talking about uh, yep. kind of, you know, in built way back then when, you know, his kids were kids and all that kind of stuff, you know, got yep. some age on it, you know, yep. pretty, pretty neat stuff. Yep. Well, that, uh, Wood Tabor and Morse came out of the, out of the Henry Ford Museum. Oh, yeah. That's where yep. that, yep, that was sold out of there. Matter of fact, they have a, uh, an Oneida up there. Um, when Bet- Matt Goodman, I never got up there, but I did talk to him about getting in there to to look at it to see what you know if i was missing anything or if there was anything different on what they had than than mine but they do have an an oneida in there 
I don't remember what that one looks like. I yeah, guess, I was gonna say. I, we, well, we I guess I walked walk through everything, but I don't. Remember yeah, which I one I, that one was now. I bet I have pictures of it. I think it was in that room where there was like that little Nichols and Shepherd, and there was like a room with like three or four things in it or something or other. Yeah, uh, man, you want to talk yeah, about that's shame? A- that's that that whole you know that whole museum was based around you know Detroit history and uh, kind of getting into this new new world and. Man, they've really they've really changed that, and all them steam engines got taken out of the display area, and they're back in a warehouse now, not not available to public unless you've got you know uh, special access there or whatever. Yeah, uh, kind yeah, of, kind that's, of a shame that, that all the really part. unique and little engines are there's there's stuff back yep. in the warehouse, and man, it's yep. just, just a shame. They need to be out out yep. for everyone to see. I mean, that museum is you know, super impressive. And I, I mean, I'd have to say it's the one place that I've taken my kids that I truly thought they were impressed, but they didn't get to see a quarter of what is actually there. At least, yeah, I got to get there. Oh, you've never been but, there? You know, no, never oh, been my there. Goodness. It definitely never is, been there. Yeah, you need to get there. Absolutely. Yep. What, 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 what bothered me about that museum, though, we, we um, my sister owns a Creeders popcorn wagon. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys I've seen pictures of it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 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 That we restored obviously is all steam. So I called, um, Matt Goodman up there when he was, was in there and, um, talked to him about it. And we needed a couple things for the burner and they converted that, um, Creators to electric, but they threw all the parts away that oh they took goodness. out of it. Hmm. And I said to Matt, "Why would you take something that you know a museum that that has a Creators Model D popcorn wagon and take the guts out of it and throw them away?" Yeah, I, I, yeah, just, some, I just, I just that bothered me. Yeah, a museum though you would think they'd, they'd box it up and put it on a shelf because I want them original. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I I yeah, talked yeah. to that uh, uh, the guy in in Kansas there. Well, uh, well, I was getting ready to say, isn't there a guy like in Kansas City, Kansas, or something rather that restores those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah he's got all the original patterns, uh, patterns and stuff for the castings. I. I bought a set of gears from them. I, I thought ours were bad, but when they got the the new ones, they were they were uh, they were good. But because uh, he was funny, he says to us, he says to me, um, my sister was really the one that got started on it. But uh, when I got talking to him, he said, um, you know, to convert it to to propane. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm I'm not converting it to propane. I said it. I said, what did it run on originally? And he said, white gas. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's what I'm going to make it run on. No, you're going to burn it down, and it's going to it's going to burn on you, and you can't control it. I said, no. I said, if, if they did it back then, I don't know why I can't do it now. So we ended up, we got it, we got it running on, on white gas. We, we had a... We had to make our own nozzles for the burners. The the ones sure. that they had in it were too big, so we ended up buying brass plugs and drilling them ourselves. But I had that out at Jonas's there and down at Somerset, and we pop popcorn with it. It, it runs, you know, 
it runs off the engine and and uh we we it, and it makes good popcorn it made a lot of popcorn that's got two big <laughs> two big poppers on it man you can make a lot of popcorn with that thing that's a big wagon uh, compared to some of the smaller ones you've seen around stuff right like that. yeah right I mean, yep. you start talking yep. about replacing gears on a popcorn maker, man. That's a lot of popcorn. <laughs> that's a lot of popcorn. Yeah. The uh, Creators has all the uh, original uh, information on those too, because believe it or not, that engine, that popcorn wagon, was sold up by Utica, New York, to a guy, and he actually that thing sold for three thousand dollars back then. And that was that was in nineteen sixteen. That's a lot of money. You could have like a, a hundred and ten case for that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. That's a ton of money. Yep. Yep. That was a ton of money for that thing. Popcorn wow. must have been expensive. Yeah, must have been. You had to sell a lot of popcorn to take <laughs> that. Man. A lot many, of popcorn. They must have made a whole bunch of those though, because it seems like there's still a you know a, a fair amount of those popcorn makers still yeah. still around today. There's not a whole lot of Model Ds. This is a Model D that, that was horse-drawn, but you set on it, on the, on the front of it. Mm -hmm. the, uh, I can't remember the model uh, letter designation, but they made a fair amount of them without the seat and stuff that you was horse-drawn, but you stood alongside of it to drive it. I see. I this, see. Here, this here, you actually would sit on it. What, what's unique about it, is in the front window above the front window frame there's two slots and what um uh they said was they would run the reins of the horse through that slot and that guy could actually move the wagon while he was standing in there popping popcorn so if he had to move down the fairway in a fair or whatever Mobile he could do that through yeah, through the through the without getting out of the out of the popcorn wagon. Hmm. Is that machine like the biggest one they produced then? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that I was the biggest sure model they produced. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's got a peanut roaster in it also, and and uh, uh, we haven't run that. We only run the popcorn part of it because peanuts are that's another whole problem. So we <laughs> haven't we haven't done peanuts with it. Not only do you restore a, a popcorn machine, but then you got to learn how to pop popcorn after that, right? Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> how to run the burner. How mm -hmm. to run the burner. Because, oh, sure. yeah. yeah. um, you know, I, I, I had to call them because and, and I, I did. We had a small fire in that thing. But what, what happens is there's a pilot light there. And you light the pilot. And as soon as you, I lit the pilot, I'd light the burners, and of course it'd be raw gas. You can't do that. You have to light the pilot, let that burn for about 10 to 12 minutes, and what it does is it vaporizes, vaporizes the it. gas mm -hmm. inside the manifold, and then you light your burners. Mm -hmm. So after we did that, yeah. of course we were still giving it too much gas, but that was that that we figured out. But you know, the first part was was pretty pretty tough. Isn't that like the same type of burner kind of deal, like a Stanley Steam car and stuff like that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what I was thinking. I mean, I've never been around one at all, but I was thinking that's kind of what I'd heard. Yep. Hmm. That's good stuff. 
Yeah, it's good stuff. I enjoy it. I really enjoy the steam. I really, I got bit and I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And then, I, I don't know, I, I guess, what was it, a couple winters ago, you got a couple Lynn trucks there. That stuff's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I bought, I bought the the expert on Lynn trucks is uh, Charlie Bilby. He's uh, 88 years old. He's upstate. He had uh, he had 14 of them. Um, I ended up buying five of them. I I got well. The one is going going. That as soon as I get the uh, um, I got a jeep and in the, the uh, six horse. And as soon as I get them done, I'm gonna pull the other uh, linen that that is runnable it's got a hung valve in it and i want to get that one get the valve straightened out in that one and and uh and do some repairs on the cab but the yeah the lynn trucks they were made here in new york they were made in morris oh, really? new york yep the the factory is uh one of the factory buildings is still there um the town the town has it they're using it for a town garage but um uh, yeah, that that's that was made in New York. What was the original selling point on that? Was that a logging thing or just a track truck yeah. for all applications? Or? Well, it was was logging and, and snow plowing. Okay. This this Charlie Bilby has got one. I had a chance to buy one and of course I I I hesitate and when you hesitate you lose. You gotta when you find something like that, you gotta <laughs> tell the guy, Yep, I'm gonna buy it and at least give him a deposit on it and go away but the the uh and get the rest of the money but uh this charlie bilby and he donated it to this this club upstate called gas up but he had one there with a uh with a v plow and two wings on it mm-hmm. and and it was really noted for the for the snow plowing and then the one i had a chance to buy had a v plow Two wings. the The right hand wing was missing, but but now that I know what I know, you could have made the the one because you had one to duplicate from from Charlie Bilby. But what was unique about this one was it had a dump body on it, but they would put a cab and insert in the body and had a set of controls that would go into the body. And the guy, you'd have a guy driving the truck. But you'd have a guy sitting in the body inside this cab working the plows. Oh yeah. And that that thing was it wasn't in great shape, but you know, well you guys have probably done it. He had it about forty percent apart and it had been apart for six or eight years. And what I was worried about was buying it. And you know, when you take something apart and even if it's in your own shop and it's six or eight years, you have a hell of a time finding all the parts oh, for yeah. it. And I was worried that was going to be too many parts missing, mm-hmm. And but I, I should have bought it. A guy did buy it. Matter of fact, he's only about an hour from me, the guy that did buy it. But that thing was, that was unique, man. The cab, the, the little insert cab inside the dump body of that thing was, it was quite a, quite the setup. And was that so? The guy sat like behind him in the back of the bed. Yep, yep. The guy was behind him, sitting in the in the dump bed. Really. And and, and yep. And the the controls for that would, if it was just the driver, 
were overhead on the top of the cab, but uh, levers that hung down. So you had three or four of them. You had one for the one for the V plow and one for each wing. Mm-hmm. And but they would run a, a rod back, and they had a whole setup inside the cab where where you'd have a dual set of controls. The guy from the cab could run them, or the guy that sat in the body he could run them. That's pretty neat. And I guess yeah. the, my comment about that is next time you find something in a garage that uh, has been tore apart and you're worried about finding all the pieces, I'm pretty sure if you can find all the pieces for your steam engine on the side of the highway, you'll be just fine about finding them in the garage. <laughs> so just, just go for it next time. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my tidbit of advice for the night. Yeah, yeah. You just have to look a little harder, right? <laughs> and just think to yourself, what would Gary Tetz do? yeah yeah well one thing i don't do is i don't give up yeah there you go i don't give up i don't give up i learned that at a young age that you just don't give up because when you give up you're defeated man you know you're defeated something my grandpa used to tell me all the time as a kid and it's completely illiterate nowadays and my kids make fun of me for even saying it but he used to tell me if you can't do it you can't stick around you know and and that's just something that i've lived by since then that if you you can't do it you can't stick around so you need to do it so you can stick around and get the job done you know absolutely absolutely yep there there's if there's a will there's a way yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a will, there's a way. So what's on your docket for this upcoming summer? Uh, well, since we sold the business, I'm I'm going to try to hit every show I can possibly hit. <laughs> That's a good way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like to hear I that. Am. I am. I, I, and you guys probably don't know, but I had a... a a scare here in in a uh, matter of fact i didn't make it to somerset but um uh, i i and i you know you you things happen for the for the best and they happen for a reason but i have afib and my afib in july got real bad and i couldn't figure out what was wrong so I was going back and forth to the doctors and my heart doctor and my regular doctor. And eight years ago, I had a torn diaphragm and I had it fixed. And, and where, where I'm going is is that it seemed like my AFib got real bad every time I ate. So my regular doctor says to me, well, let's get a scan of your, your lower body and see if your, your diaphragm is not tore again because if it pushes on your heart your stomach pushes on your heart it can it can cause aphid so i said all right so in the meantime we're getting ready to do a local uh fair and i had a steam engine up there i had my thresher up there i had uh a shingle mill up there and the fair started august 2nd well my aphid was so bad that i couldn't um i couldn't make it i was so tired i couldn't so my sister came to my house because I hadn't been out in two days and hadn't eaten. And she said, man, she said, you better get to the hospital. So I go to the hospital. And I had an AFib attack in the hospital. Of course, they put me in a, in a special room there and hooked me up. And the doctor came in and I told her what the symptoms was. A young, young girl, probably in her mid-40s. 
And she said, you know, I've treated two people in the last three weeks for Lyme disease with the same symptoms. I'm going to test you for Lyme disease. So she did. That was 7 o'clock, 11.30 at night. They came in and said, yep, you got Lyme disease. So huh. they treated me with an antibiotic. And if it hadn't been for that Lyme disease triggering my AFib, I would have never had the scans. When the scan came back, uh, my diaphragm wasn't torn, but I had a, a, a golf ball-sized mass, and they thought it was hooked to my pancreas. Mm -hmm. So I thought I had pancreatic cancer. So I went back and forth to you know a couple different doctors, and I ended up in Sloan Kettering down in, in New York City, and... Uh, Wednesday after Labor Day, they went in and operated, but it wasn't attached to my pancreas. It was attached to my, my adrenal gland. So they took my adrenal gland, but for that month and change of, of not knowing where it was hooked to, I thought, you know, when they said pancreas, when they say right. pancreas and cancer, sure, you're right. you're yeah. you're on the express checkout. You're mm -hmm. not you're not you yeah. know you're not in a good way. So I I mean I was talking to Jonas and you know getting an auctioneer set up because my kids aren't going to do anything with it. And, you know, asking them how to handle this and that and talking to, but then when they actually what they did is. Um, the doctor told me they'll put a small hole in me and they'll go in with a camera and see what it's actually attached to. And then they'll make a decision on what to do from there. So when they went in, it was hooked to the adrenal gland and they, they, uh, they took, uh, my adrenal gland out and it was cancerous, but, um, uh, but they, they figured they got it all. I go, uh, December 7th for, another scan i'm going to be scanned every three months now sure. to make sure that it doesn't come back but that was that was a life-changing experience that was i mean that that that's why i'm going to do all the all the things that i've wanted to do and and chris you know and and and, and jake i don't know what you 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 know what your what your profession is but when you own your own business it's business that yeah. business doesn't leave you just because you went home no, you're you're right. you're you're thinking and talking business because that's your business that's your sure. that's like that's your livelihood yep and that's the way this thing was for i i mean this this was my my 49th year that since i got home from college and and started working and you you do 49 years of that you you uh you know when when you get a change like that and then you then you work all those years yep. and and uh we sold it june 2nd and then by august 2nd you think you're you're dying that's that's no fun no no yeah that's yeah. no fun you, you, my my uh buddy from high school that i stayed buddies with he said yep you get the pot of gold and then you're gonna drop dead right i said yep <laughs> I said that's a, that's a, that was about the way I felt for for a month. Sure, so. sure. Yeah. Luckily, so uh, I am. I'm hanging for now. And, make, yeah. Yep. Make every show that I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna make make the ones I haven't been to and and try to do all the ones that I have been to. Well, good. 
That sounds like I gotta uh, make it out west like where you see- are. Yeah, you need to come on out. We're not really yep. out west. We're still kind of in the Midwest, but uh, yeah, Midwest, Midwest, Midwest there. Yeah, yeah. not quite yeah. out west, but uh, yeah, you yep. need to come out. More than welcome anytime. Yep, absolutely. So, yep, absolutely. Well, Gary, it was great to have you on here, and and this is. Uh, far outweighed my expectations of what I knew this was going to be a great conversation because I just enjoy talking to you every time I've talked to you on the phone or in person. And, uh, this is how far outweighed any expectations I had of how this was going to go. So I, I really appreciate it. Good. Thank you. And Jake, get that crusher home already, huh? <laughs> well, seeing that you're all retired and everything now, I might have to contract you into getting it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just two days yeah. a week, Gary. That's all we need. Yeah, 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 I hear you. So, I hear you. Anyways. Well, Gary, we appreciate it, and uh, hopefully no, we'll catch up with you, you I, this summer. Yep, I appreciate this. You absolutely will. As long as I'm on the right side of the grass, I'm going to see you. So. so That sounds great. Excellent. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, guys. No I problem. appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. Thanks a lot, yep. Gary. Bye. Bye. Yep, you're welcome. Bye.